and welcome to this special reInvent behind the curtain episode of the AWS Developer Podcast. I'm Emily Freeman. I'm here with Dave Izbitsky, and we're joined by Brees Pele today from AWS AppSync. I'm so excited to have you here. Yeah, thank you, Emily. Really excited to be here. I'm glad to be back and uh, glad to be talking about AppSync again. Amazing. So you recently released some new features. Tell me all about what's new for developers. Yeah, so AppSync released a new feature. And in a nutshell, we introduced support for JavaScript resolvers in our AWS AppSync GraphQL APIs. What we did is, well, maybe let me take a quick step back. So AppSync is a managed service that makes it easy for developers to uh, build APIs and that connect to data. So what we did is we introduced the support for JavaScript. So now when developers build their APIs and they want to uh, write their business logic that actually tells AppSync how to connect their data, they can do this in, in JavaScript. So we're essentially making this uh, JavaScript language, language, which is one of the most uh, preferred and most liked languages out there. We're making that available for developers and making it easier for developers to build and launch their APIs. I'll make sure I add that's episode 26 to all of the listeners out there where you go in depth of AppSync and everything. Uh, early days of the pod, we're up over 60 episodes now. So developers can go back and check out all the all the goodness. Does this mean yeah, we're a real it. podcast, Dave? We've always been a real podcast. If anything, on. Emily, we've kept it real. That's, that's It true. might be all shenanigans, but people here are authentic selves. There's no pretense here. I you love know, it. We're, we're telling it like it is. And we uh, like this stuff. We enjoy this stuff. We like working here. We love developers. Glad to be I here. Um, so we mentioned JavaScript resolvers. I'm going to be honest. My brain just said JavaScript revolvers. Um, <laughs> that is not correct. <laughs> Out on the range again in Denver on the farm with your revolvers <laughs> tied to each hip. Anybody comes stomping around. Old school. <laughs> Need a, a lever action shotgun. Um, what, what does that mean, a JavaScript resolver? Yeah, that's a good question. I think uh, it, it's worth taking a bit of time to explain what that is because it's really kind of specific to to GraphQL. So when you look at GraphQL and the way we build GraphQL APIs, you essentially have a schema that defines what your API, your schema is your document that defines the, your types and the type of actions that you can take on those types. So for example, you would talk about your CRUD operations, right? Create, read, update, and delete. And then you've got a concept of data sources. So the data sources is where your data resides. It can be something like a DynamoDB table. It can even be something like a Lambda function, right? That you are going to call from your API. So between your schema where your types and your operations are defined and your data sources, when a request comes into AppSync, you have to essentially resolve that request, right? And resolving could mean anything. Um, and what you want to do in your resolver is essentially tell AppSync, based on this request that, that came in, based on the context that we have for this request, this is how you should fulfill the request. So that is what the resolver is doing. It's essentially telling AppSync, this is how you should fulfill the request. And we do this because you can connect just about anything to AppSync as a data source. So AppSync doesn't have any preconceived notion on how to access your data sources. 
you essentially have to tell it how you to access your data sources. And InterResolver is where you're going to do that. You're going to write um, some JavaScript code that is essentially going to tell AppSync, when the request comes in, this is how you should make a request towards your data source. And then when your data source sends back a response, this is what you should do with the response from that data source, uh, which essentially consists in mapping that response back to the GraphQL type that was requested into GraphQL operation. Okay, that's incredible. So it just basically closes out the, the call, essentially. It, it, exactly. That's what it is. Okay. Amazing. And we talk a lot about GraphQL. Like I feel like we've talked about GraphQL for a couple of years. It feels like the, the cooler API, like REST is on the way out. Um, I don't know that that's actually true. I feel like mm -hmm. most APIs surely are still um, REST, but what what is special about GraphQL? Yeah, so REST is still around and GraphQL, I would say, is a growing technology and we see a lot more developers, a lot more customers adopting it. One of the things that um, that GraphQL tries to do is improve the um, your the experience that you have. First of all, when you write APIs, uh, allowing you to write a lot more uh, clearer uh, syntax and a lot uh, using a lot more clearer, if that makes sense, a clearer way of um, defining what your API is. But it also deals with some things that are hard to handle with REST APIs. Um, GraphQL allows you to essentially condense your request into a single request. One of the things that you often see with REST, if you go on a website that uses a REST API, if you're using an API that's REST-like or RESTful, anytime you want to get resources from your backend, you're going to end up making a lot of requests, right? So um, a typical example that we will give is if you want, you have a website that implements like a, a blog and your blog has a series of posts and every post has comments and then you've got authors. So all of those represent resources. In your typical REST API, all of these resources have to be retrieved individually. So when you load your website, you're going to make end up making a lot of API requests um, to get those resources. And um, that is not necessarily super efficient, right? There's going to be a lot of back and forth between your application and your server um, that adds additional latency. It adds to the load, uh, load time for your, your API. With GraphQL, you can actually solve that problem because GraphQL allows you to specify requests that you need for your specific application use case. So with GraphQL, you can use a single request to ask for your post, and then with, when you ask for your post, you can also get to comments associated with your post. And then you can get to authors associated with those, those comments. So it becomes a lot more efficient. Uh, instead of doing all of those round trips between your client and your application, yeah. you're using GraphQL to make a single request. And in that request, you get the data back. An additional advantage is as you make that request, you are requesting specific objects and GraphQL returns those objects, it returns a payload um, that matches the format that you requested. So when you request um, a set of authors, it returns a set of authors. And your client doesn't really have to um, deal with clean, cleaning up the request or mapping it to something else, right? So you ask for data okay. in a specific shape, and it returns it into, a, in, into that shape. And yeah. Those are some of the benefits. And there's other things like taking care of batching and solving things like we call the N plus one problem. So it really tries to, it tries and does a good job at optimizing um, the way you do you do requests. That's, that's, those are some of the benefits of using um, GraphQL. I love it. And 
as part of this launch, you have new libraries now to help developers, right? And a, and a, a test API as well? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, because we are releasing JavaScript, we wanted to make sure that developers that are going to interact with this new feature have the supporting libraries that they, knew, that they need to implement it. So we released uh, two libraries, one of which is a utility library that provides uh, a, a set of utilities that you can use to write your resolvers. Um, the name of the library is um, at AWS AppSync slash utils, and I'm sure we'll share a link for that. So yeah, this makes it, it easy else. for the... Yeah, it makes it easy for developers. Like if you're working within a code editor, whether that be something like Cloud9 or if you're working in something like something like VS Code, you can use those utilities and you can get in your editor auto-completion, right? So when you start typing, hey, I want to make a request, I want to talk to DynamoDB, I need a utility that map, that transform my types into DynamoDB types, so utility provides that functionality. It also provides, uh, the library also provides uh, additional utilities that makes it easy to just work within a GraphQL and AppSync context. The other library that we released is an ESLint plugin. Um, so for the, the JavaScript function, uh, feature that we released, what we essentially did is we implemented our own runtime for JavaScript. And so we built a runtime that works within the AppSync context and takes into consideration things that are done um, within AppSync. So to Runtime allows you to write a function specifically that work within the apps in context. Because of that, there are some um, some type of JavaScript features and uh, constructs that uh, Runtime does not support. So to make sure that we can guide the developers uh, down the right path when they're working into in their editors, we released an ESLint plugin. And so this plugin essentially lints your code and can warn you if you use functionality or JavaScript features that are not supported in our in our runtime. That way, when you code, you get automatic feedback that hey, you are using a, a, a you know a, a feature of JavaScript that we don't support in our runtime. You can catch that right away. Get some um, some warnings, some some guidance on what to do instead, and fix your code. That way, uh, developers don't have to push code changes to the cloud. That's just not going to work. Um, they can take care of that directly in their editor. So those are the two libraries that we release. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. I am I am completely obsessed with the fact that you made it so easy for folks to be able to interact with this and to warn them if they're going sort of off the tracks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel yeah. like every developer wants that. Like, yeah, just just nudge me when I go the wrong direction. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, for for us is you know it's a it's a ever evolving story, but we we try to keep the developer experience in 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 mind, right? What is the developer experience going to look look like? How can we make it easier for developers to work? And for that, we really think about the development lifecycle, right? It's writing your test, testing your writing your code, testing your code, debugging your code, and then deploying it. And that 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 loops keeps on repeating, and we just want to make that that loop smaller, right? That's that's really what we 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 try to do and make sure that developers can get feedback quicker, and and for that as well, what we we also did is we released a new um, API for for AppSync that developers can use to actually test their code directly from their editors. So what we envision with this is um, we we envision a lot of developers and customers working directly 
in their editors locally, not necessarily in the AWS apps and console, but working locally. And what we wanted to make sure um, is that we wanted to make sure that developers would be able to um, call the API to test their code before they even save it to AppSync. So we have a new a command called evaluate code. You can just give it your code and it will just evaluate it. It will tell you if the code is valid. It will warn you of little things that just cause a lot of pain when you go to production, right? Let's say you, you have a JavaScript function and you're trying to reference a, a, a variable that doesn't exist. A lot of time that stuff is not, you're not aware of that and you just push something to production and then things don't work. So we will catch things like that um, and we will send you back a warning saying, hey, this variable that you're trying to use does not exist. And then you can also provide it some mock data and we will evaluate your code, your functions against that mock data. And with that, developers are able to say, okay, I've got this code. I know that this code is going to work in a specific way given the data that it receives. So we really wanted to make it easier for developers to be able to verify their code without having to constantly go into the console and back to their editor or having to deploy something and make a full query. We just, like I said, we want to reduce that 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 loop of testing debugging. We want to reduce the size of that loop and reduce the amount of time it takes to to validate and verify their their code. Can you talk, you know, for folks who maybe haven't used AppSync before, can you talk to that separation of concerns where as a developer I can focus on my APIs, you know, my business logic, but AppSync is going to handle that heavy lifting of connecting to all my data sources. It's going to scale me up, you know, using serverless. Can you can you dive into that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. And so this is the managed aspect of of, of AppSync. I think when developers and customers start thinking about building APIs, there's actually a lot that goes into building an API that you can take to production, right? Um, yeah. There are three key things that you often have to think about, right? You've got to think about where do I store my data? Uh, how do I make sure that the right people have access to my data? And what am I going to use to interact with, with, that, with that data? All of those three choices come with their own set of internal questions that you've got to answer. And if you think about it from a, you know, a business point of view, or even when you think about delighting your own customers, your customers really don't care about that stuff, right? It, it's it's table stake. You, you've got to make sure that those things are implemented and taken care of. But your customers themselves, this is far removed from the end value that your customers are seeing. So what we really want to do is make sure that developers can take care of the things that really bring value to their uh, customers, that their customers can see and that their customers can actually feel. And then we make sure that we handle some of the harder things to um, that you've got to implement, like scaling, making sure that your API is always available, security, making sure that only the right people have access to your data, making sure that you've got uh, choices, uh, that you've got different modes of authorization that you can use for your API, right? Whether you want to use something like an API key or if you want to use a Cognito user pool, things like that. Um, we want to make sure that you've got the right logging set up, right? Um, those are things that are really hard to implement. And if you look at a lot of the kind of open source third party solutions that you have, a lot of times these are concerns that you've got to address yourself. Okay, so I'm starting with a third party API, open source API. How do I make sure that it scales? How do I implement security? Uh, how do I make, uh, implement connection to data sources, right? When our AppSync API interacts with a DynamoDB table, we are using an IAM role to authorize those requests, right? 
Um, so not only is it secure, you can actually track that. You can actually go into um, CloudWatch logs or you can use CloudTrail to, to see what's going on and who has access to your data. Those are really important things, right, for, for companies that want to make sure that uh, only to right people have access to that data. So that's what we, what we really try to do with, with AppSync as a managed service. And then we let you focus on the things that really matter, which is the business logic that, are, that is specific to your use case. These are things that only you understand, that only you can solve as a developer, as somebody that's trying to delight your own customers. So we really want to make sure that developers um, focus on, on that key part. And over time, that's what we want to focus on. And that's what we want to keep on improving, that developer experience and making sure that um, developers have access to the right tools to write the business logic that, that they need for to implement their use cases. I love it. Amplify, you're always doing such an amazing job of protecting developers from the three horsemen of the apocalypse, right? <laughs> I am VPC and S3 bucket permissions. So thank you for everything you do. <laughs> I love that. No, this has been um, wonderful. Uh, I have to tell you, you have been one of the best at just clearly and concisely explaining the basics of this, how they work and what AWS is doing to really show up as a partner for developers, which I think is key to us. So thank you. What are you most excited about next? Like what's coming up that you're, that has you excited? Well, really um, the developer experience is, is, mm -hmm. is the area that I'm specifically focusing on. But um, when it really comes to JavaScript resolvers, I think this is just a stepping stone for us. There is so much more that we wanna do in this specific space. Uh, we want customers to use this, to try this out, to give us feedback, and we're going to keep iterating. Our goal is to make um, the experience better, as I've, as I've said a couple of times, and that's really, that's really because that's what we want to do. And we want to keep on providing additional functionality. What can we do to make um, uh, our developers' life easier? So um, there's a lot more coming in this space in terms of um, just JavaScript resolvers and making sure that we provide additional functionality to make developers' life um, easier. And then, of course, you know, AppSync, where we keep on thinking about things that people need in the GraphQL space, um, things that people need in the PubSub space as well. So making it easy for developers to write uh, real-time applications that connect over, that communicate over WebSockets. Those are some things that are coming down the pipeline, and um, really excited to see to see what our what our customers and what developers are going to do with those um, those features next. That's fantastic! Thank you so much for joining us. We have just loved having you as a guest, so thank you. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. It's always uh, fun talking to you all. Awesome. Thank you.